to grab your friends. It's time for MetaWatch, the world's first, best, and only MetaBots podcast in the year 20XX. Hi, my name's Mitch, I use he, him pronouns, and I dash around the screen in a figure eight pattern. My weakness happens to be the ability you earn from defeating my good friend Colin. Uh, yeah, hey, I don't know what my ability is. I think it's to, uh, I guess, record podcasts. Uh, hi, my name is Colin, my pronouns are they and them. <laughs> Joining us today is a mid-boss trickier than the final boss, Klaus. Hi, my name's Klaus, I use he, him pronouns, and I'm waiting for the 22nd century so I can row battle till I drop. Ooh, all right. On brand, I like it. I'm going to get kicked off this podcast. You're a better host than I am. <laughs> <laughs> we would never. Uh, you're my rival, right, Colin? That's that's how this uh, yeah, works? You know, we discussed yeah, this, season one. I guess, that, I guess, that's, I guess that's how it goes. <laughs> uh, we, got, we got some good episodes here. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, definitely two good episodes. Yeah. Um, uh, certainly, uh, oh man, uh, we're, we'll have a couple of knots to untie, but these were, these were pretty good episodes. I can't say that uh, they're, we're really hurting from not having them in season one, but I, you know, they would have been nice to be there. I, uh, I all disagree, uh, for the second episode we're going to cover today. I think we are desperately missing that, but, uh, th- <laughs> this first episode, all right, I'm, I'm fine with it being now as opposed to last season. Uh, it's a Koji heavy episode, which is, I mean, it's nice. I mean, the kid's a piece of shit, but it's nice to have a Koji episode. Because <laughs> it, it means nice that it's not this, an icky yeah. episode. It would have been nice to have this Koji episode to set up uh, the plot point uh, that clearly it was supposed to be tied into uh, later in the show. But we'll get there. Um, we start off this episode. Uh, oh, this, this is uh, called Dance with the Mantis. Uh, this is English episode... Um, twenter, ooh, 29, 29. Uh, Japanese episode 24. Uh, the um, row battle dance. Okay. So I, from the title, we can kind of guess what this episode is going to be about. Um, the episode that comes directly after this was supposed to be uh, uh, Metabee versus Rokusho. Uh, and so we got 25, 26, and 27 being 16, 17, and 18 in the dub. Uh, <laughs> right off the bat, like, it's it's a weird time. <laughs> yeah, it's um it's it's definitely uh yeah, uh, it's weird to think about where this would have fit in to the show cuz it's very clearly supposed to be a kind of, I don't know, palate cleanser between some like heavy plot stuff, but oh well, you know, it's here. <laughs> An excuse uh, for a costume yeah. party. I'm good for. It. <laughs> it is. Uh because we start with Koji daydreaming about confessing to Karen. Um he even uh, uh, dethorned an entire bouquet of roses and uh, asked Karen to dance with him. Uh, but she turns him down, saying that she's already been asked out by Icky, uh, who remarks that it's, uh, you know, it's good that, uh, you know, Koji already got her flowers because now he doesn't have to buy any because he's too cheap to buy some. And they, they walk away laughing. And he wakes up in the garden uh, uh, from this nightmare where his butler is pouring tea. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, th- this is our start. We're, this is going to be a Koji Karen focused episode, I guess. <laughs> so Koji does say that he spent three hours cutting off all the thorns from the roses. So she does not get pricked. And then he, he laments that she won't go out with him as if he is somehow deserving of her time because he gave her flowers. <laughs> this kid's a dick. He is. <laughs> Koji's always been a dick. Um, but the three hours thing is interesting because he did it himself instead of just making someone else do it, which I mean, I mean, is even in daydream form. That's weird for Koji. <laughs> well, he has to prove his love. Yeah. 
unlike Icky, who is uh, simply a, a, a loud, loud butthole who is going to just uh, take other people's credit when he can, because that's clearly who Icky is in Koji's head. <laughs> we get we get none of that back and forth in the sub. Uh, he just goes, sorry, dude, she made her choice. Bye. <laughs> being, <laughs> for once, Icky being a much better character in the uh, uh, in the du- or the sub, excuse me. Uh, he doesn't even mention the flowers in the, the sub. He just like, hey, you know, Karen, I love you. And she's like, well, I'm already here with somebody. And Nikki goes, yeah, sorry, dude, bye. And they just walk away. And he just starts crying, which, sure. Um, but boy, uh, that's a strong opening. Uh, and then the butler uh, needlessly antagonizes him, I'm going to say. <laughs> he does uh, immediately remind us all that Koji is very afraid of bugs. <laughs> He just keeps saying the word bug. Oh, does that bug you? Stop saying bug. It's like, oh, I didn't mean to you know, bug you there. He just keeps saying it over and over again. It would be better if he used different puns, but he just keeps using the same one over and over again. Almost like it's intentional. Like, he really doesn't like this kid either. <laughs> he is his butler. <laughs> uh, he was his friend during the awkward years. <laughs> uh but yeah, this is, uh, uh, you know, Koji's butler has the great idea, like, hey, there's going to be a costume ball at the Rosewood Academy tomorrow. You should ha- you should tell Karen your feelings then. Uh, and Koji is immediately like, oh, I have a great idea. I'll tell Karen my feelings at the costume ball tomorrow. Uh, what a great idea I just had, me personally. <laughs> yeah. Followed by a, a butterfly landing on his teacup and him freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> he does deserve what shit the butler gives him, which is not in the sub. And the sub, he's just like, oh, uh, Koji, there's this thing tomorrow. Do you remember? He goes, oh, that's perfect. I should confess to her then. And he goes, I'll do what I can to help. Like, they got a better relationship. (laughs) Yeah, but it's funnier in English. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I I guess that's, oh, this is just like early meta watch again. Hey, here's the difference. The the dub is funny. It's almost like, yeah, it's almost like it's like early meta watch because we are watching early meta bots. Uh. Um, We do cut to immediately another brass fight we were robbed in season one i wouldn't really call this a fight because erika keeps calling a whistle and calling out penalties on metabi anytime that he touches her hits her shoots at her anything like that uh that it's basically uh and metabi complains but erika is basically just like hey if you if you want to have a practice match with brass you're gonna do it on my rules and no one is going to hurt my beautiful precious metabot <laughs> she's right to do so <laughs> Icky and Metabi are reckless. They are. You know, I mean, we've seen uh, Metabi destroy concrete fountains. You don't want that to happen to Brass. Uh, she's she's firsthand seen the uh, the tomfoolery that they've gotten up to and wanton destruction and what have you. So, you know, well, I get it. Uh, well, the, the other big thing here we got to remember is uh, Arika probably at least maybe a little bit likes Icky. And uh, if you remember her last romantic episode let the boy win well brass can't lose a fight we know this for a fact (laughs) yeah brass is unstoppable it's a force of nature so which is probably why we don't see brass too often it it wouldn't be fair well yeah she's constantly competing in higher ranked meta meta uh, metabots competitions so so. if um metabee and brass fought metabee would be murdered brass would be (laughs) untouched and icky wouldn't like arika anymore yeah right Makes sense. So when Meta B is presented with these rules, he just quits. Yeah, he, just he completely just runs off. Yeah, and just, I'm not says, doing this. 
well, what kind of attitude is that? And Meta B responds with, a bad one. <laughs> and I love it. It's perfect. Yeah. Lo- love our beautiful, per- perfect robot son. Uh, this is also when a impossibly long pink lim- uh, limousine pulls up. Uh, of course, it's Karen. Um, she has come with an invitation for Icky to the Rosewood Academy costume ball. Um and uh, tells, you know, Icky's like, oh, can I even come since I'm not a student? And she's like, oh, yeah, anybody who is a who is friends or family of an enrolled student is allowed to come, uh, which prompts Arika and Metabi to invite themselves along, uh, as, as well as Sam and the Screws who overhear from the playground uh, nearby. So, yeah, it's, you know, everybody's going to the big ball. Uh, Icky's very mad about it because he, th- he thinks they're going to cramp on his, his ability to uh, hang out and hit on Karen. Uh, and yeah, but it's gonna have a good old time, good old costume party. So the screws, who I have written down here in my notes as just the schmucky kids, <laughs> they're all just hiding inside of a piece of playground equipment, like they're in the show Recess. Yes. Well, they're probably making a plan to bully Icky at some point. <laughs> Deservedly. Yeah. Um, the sub treats us differently, and this is one of the big differences that I think... Uh, highlights the difference between the sub and the dub that I keep doing. Um, Karen specifically invites Icky. <laughs> and Icky only. Yeah. Uh, and then she doesn't say anything about anyone else can come. She just goes, here, Icky. And Icky goes, can I even come if I'm not a student? She goes, I invited you so you can come. <laughs> and then she leaves. And then Ricky is like, well, she didn't say she was inviting only you, so I'm coming too. <laughs> and then, you know, Icky gets upset. But like, it's not open to everybody. It was a personal invite that, you know, they just decided to ignore. Which kind of does play into that idea that Arika has a crush on Nikki. That she doesn't want her going to a ball with... Uh, Karen. With, with Karen, yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, I mean, you can't leave Arika behind. This might be a good scoop. <laughs> yeah. And and really, uh, any time that Icky isn't on screen is is good time. And if uh, Arika and Metabi are also coming, that means it'll be it'll be better. We'll just enjoy it more. <laughs> kind of drown him out. Um, I think we're gonna enjoy Icky in this episode though, because we uh, cut over to Rosewood Academy as uh, limousines are pulling in, and Icky is dressed as a dog, and Metabi is dressed as a beetle, and they look absolutely adorable. <laughs> uh, Icky's dressed just like Salty, his dog. Yeah. Uh, so uh, there's a cute exchange here. Um, Icky goes, what are you? He goes, I'm a beetle. He goes, you're always a beetle. He goes, yeah, so what? <laughs> That's just fun. He's like, yeah, all right. Uh, Arika is Princess Peach. Um, it, wearing the exact same uh, dress as Princess Peach. A little less poofy, sure. But uh, everything else about um, it is Princess Princess Peach. I don't know. Does Princess Peach usually have a sash on? Because I feel like that's the big kind of, like, difference uh, for me. Okay, so she didn't get the nice costume from Spirit Halloween. She got the, you know, <laughs> the $15 one. But uh, she it's still got, the, like, the the neckline is everything like Princess Peach and the, the sleeves and everything. And it's the I same it's crown. I think it's more of a generic princess dress. I really don't think it's Princess Peach. Uh, there isn't the telltale large blue jewel on her chest. Uh, they're like the bustle. There's like no like dark pink bustle or anything like that. I don't think it's a princess peach dress. I think it's just a pink princess dress. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> I think the important thing to take away from this though is Icky is once again a dick and negging Meta B on his costume. <laughs> he does call out Meta B for being a a beetle Metabot dressed up as a beetle. <laughs> 
Man, the, the guy just likes being a beetle. There's nothing wrong with it. He's just a different kind of beetle. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what else he expected him to dress up as. Last time he was here, he dressed up as a kid. Like, he can't <laughs> do that again. Yeah. Got to do a different... Uh, uh, and, you know, I think normal clothes wouldn't cut it either, uh, which we'll see in a minute. But, um, yeah, Arika calls them over because, you know, they took the bus here. They're complaining about watching all these limousines. But uh, they have to take a, a shuttle bus uh, to head to the party. Um, which is also when we see the Screws show up dressed as a witch, cockroach, and, and just fucking Caterpie. I will give you this one, Mitch. It might have not been uh, uh, Princess Peach for Arika, but uh, Sloane is just dressed as Caterpie. That's a fucking Caterpie. <laughs> I have that in my notes, too. <laughs> we could pretend that it's a swallowtail caterpillar, but no, you're you're absolutely right. It's definitely Caterpie. Yeah. Also, uh, I think Spike's a flea. Okay. No, I could buy that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> some kind of brown bug with many legs and, and big feelers. Uh, but yeah, they, uh, they come in to crash the party. We find out that their plan is they are trying to eat everything and as much as they can. Um, and they're surprised that they just get past the guard. No problem. Uh, and everybody gets on the bus and, and gets ready to go when who shows up, but, uh, the rubber robos are here. They're, they're trying to pull a heist off and they're all in just normal, formal looking clothing. Uh, with, they get stopped by the guard, uh, who tells them they have to have costumes, and he'll be the judge of whether or not their costumes are, are good enough. Um, and they get scared and fall over, because they've been found out only for their rubber robo outfits to poke out, and uh, suddenly the guard is like, oh, hey, nice costumes. Yeah, get on the bus. You're good. Good to go. <laughs> um, I want to point out, Sea uh, Slug's mullet. I'm a huge, unironic fan of this look for him. It's... Yeah, it's very, um, like, early 90s, just cascading wrestler curls. <laughs> so good. Um, as they pass the guard, he goes, I can't let you in without a costume. And then they go, well, for us, this is a costume. He goes, well, that's suspicious. <laughs> and then they fall over. <laughs> but uh, it's a good look for all of them, except for um, I don't like Shrimpy's fake hair. Uh, yeah. The rest of it's good. Yeah, I do appreciate that, like, basically everyone's in formal clothing, and so you have, like, uh, you know, uh, sea slugs in, like, a, a kind of, like, a fantasy, like, French, uh, uh, like, suit, and, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, oh, God, I can never remember the, the names of all of these people. Uh, Squid Guts is, I really like Squid Guts being in, like, a formal hakama. I think it's a nice touch. Uh, and then, uh, God, uh, Gilgal. Gilgal, yeah, Gilgal's in like a kind of like 1830s, 1850s kind of like Wild West uh, ball gown, which is very cool. And then I, I just forget what Shrimpy's in because he's a small baby boy. <laughs> I do like that the the guard when they fall over says, "Oh, never mind, you are wearing costumes, funny ones too," as if pointing out how silly their their costumes are as the Rubber Robo gang. Yeah, it's a good look. Well. Though. Yeah, as we know, uh, the Rubber Robos were recently humi humiliated for being aliens after possibly trying to destroy the entire city. So yeah, definitely funny costumes. Uh, <laughs> funny costumes, not something that is clearly out of place in the order of events of things that have happened at the show. <laughs> wow, funny costumes. Yeah, wow, funny costumes. Uh, um, oh, we, man. They hop on the bus, and the bus takes off, and we get Mr. Narrator popping up. Oh, okay. The rare narrator moment. And he goes, reminder, because it's been a while, it takes at least two hours to walk to school on foot. That's it. 
That's thank that's, you. That's the narrator. <laughs> How big is this campus? Uh, big enough that a child was lost on their campus for what two years in in the last time we were here. <laughs> uh, he was a very stupid child, but yeah, yeah. Um, big enough that kids have to fly their helicopters to school to be at school on time. But there's a rule against it. Uh, there's a golf course, a sauna, an amusement park, a giant lake. God, there's a lot of stuff on this campus. <laughs> many, many forests. Uh, I will say, I love the design of this bus. I, I I hate to be the leftist transportation person, but God, I fucking love this bus. No, it's a good bus. <laughs> yeah. It's such a cool take on a double-decker bus uh, that isn't just saying, oh, hey, this is what the, the double-decker buses in England look like. No, it's got like this this cool kind of like hexagonal like uh, uh, design to it. Uh, it's fully enclosed. I like this bus a lot. <laughs> It just made me think of Transformers, honestly. Like, I looked at this, I'm like, oh, this is probably like a, a C-string Transformer. All right. Yeah, this this guy could turn into a guy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we cut over to the party. Everyone's enjoying themselves, uh, you know, checking the food out, uh, schmoozing, looking at other people's costumes, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and uh, we cut over to the Rubber Robos. Uh, Shrimpy wants to find the single richest person in the crowd to rob. They just have to find one rich person. I do want to point out that uh, at this point, MetaBee does no compliment Icky's costume. <laughs> yeah, and, and and Icky nagged MetaBee on his costume. Yeah, well, Icky's a piece of shit. Simple Icky's as that. He's a piece of shit. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, I, everyone's costumes in this episode. Like, I, I, I'm going to say this a couple times. Like, I really like how everyone looks, except for one person, and we'll get to them. I don't like this costume. But uh, we see um, Karen walk up, and uh, Karen's dressed as a rubber robo, and I love it. Uh, it's a good look for Karen. Uh, I see this a lot. Um, this this picture is used a lot for promotional stuff for some reason. Karen dressed like this. Um, it's it's to throw people off the scent of Karen being a a robot, um, of being an android. They're trying to like make sure that this image is everywhere so that people think, oh, the twist is going to be that Karen is a rubber robo, and then they get to this episode and they're like, oh, it was just a goof. So they're really really hit hard when we when we get the confirmation and later in season two that Karen is actually an android created by Doctor Aki. Uh, you know that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> uh, it makes too much sense almost. We've never been wrong. Not yet. <laughs> Don't plan on being wrong soon. Uh, but yeah, uh, Karen w- walks up in a Rubber Robo outfit. Uh, Icky is like, oh, oh, you look so much better than the normal Rubber Robos. Like, da-da-da-da-da. Um, and then uh, she she calls over her knight in shining armor, who uh, she has brought with her. And uh, Icky is obviously very nervous until the knight opens his, uh, his face mask and reveals himself to be Dr. Aki. Because, yes, family was also invited to this event. <laughs> I hate this costume. <laughs> remind me, Dr. Aki's relationship to Karen, is he a father? He's her uncle. Uncle. Uh, and inventor. Pr- slash creator, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably a uh, small wandered Karen, and she's his robot. Yeah. Niece. Um, what, first of all, I, I'm not a big fan of this uh, night design. It's fine. It's not as good as Mr. Ref's was last time we were here. Um, yeah, I think honestly, this night, this suit of armor does not look very good to uh, me personally. The thing that really bothers me, uh, two things really bothered me about this costume. One, the night mask opens in the middle and opens outwards like saloon doors. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to him just raising his visor like a normal knight. Uh, that's just showing there, there off how much money some, he has. 
there are some face masks that open that way. I don't so. like it. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. Um, the other thing is, uh, as soon as his face mask opens, and for the rest of the episode, he's just got the dumbest, biggest grin the entire time, <laughs> and I hate it. Every time oh, we see because, his face, it's the worst thing I could see. Do you know why? Because he's constantly pissing and shitting himself because he's got a reclamation thing inside of that suit of armor. I was going to say, it's because he's pissing the entire time. <laughs> and all the smell is held in because it's a fully sealed suit of armor. Because uh, that's definitely how suits of armor work. Uh, it is when you, it's, it's a robot suit It's like suit an of astronaut armor. suit. Yeah. This is his uh, Iron Man suit. That's what it is. <laughs> We do cut over to Koji, who is dressed as a prince, and has spied that Iki has arrived and is utterly incensed about it. Uh, he he, but he will not let it. Uh, uh, you know, throw any hitches in his plan. He is determined to tell Karen how he feels tonight. Um, which is when the clock strikes and the second course is in range, according to Sam and the Screws, uh, and everybody is fucking eating. We get just some good eating gifts. I cannot wait to see you gift these, uh, Mitch. It's going to be very good. <laughs> I've been gifting lately. And I, yeah, this is going to be because uh, in these two episodes, the sub is has a couple more scenes than the dub has. And these scenes that got cut out are all so good and so gifable. I, I love it. I'll point so, them out as we get through. Don't worry. Koji is just in the balcony with binoculars spying on Karen like any normal wholesome kid, right? Yeah, like the like huh. the way that this makes sense to me is like uh you know recently having reignited my passion for period dramas by watching Bridgerton, um this would make sense if like this was Koji's like chateau villa that everyone was coming to for for a party as him being kind of like the host and like kind of like preening until the the time for him to announce himself is right and da 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 et cetera et cetera. What it doesn't make sense is that this is a party at a school he attends, and he's just creeping in a balcony the entire time. <laughs> yeah, this this entire uh, episode would work better if it was at Koji's house, for sure. Yeah. Um, and not just him and his cronies, his butler and Smilodon. Yeah. Um, but as, uh, you know, as, as everyone is eating, uh, Koji comes out with a spotlight onto a stage uh, above, at the, the height of a, a set of stairs uh, to give a speech. Uh, and all of the young, eligible bachelorettes uh, who clearly are obsessed with Koji crowd around as Smilodon holds them back. Uh, Koji lets everybody know he's going to announce his feelings of love for somebody and begins to just go on and on about how much he cares for this person and why. It's actually, you know, it's nice. It's not bad. I was um, booing the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, a, a, this is a middle school dance. <laughs> it's a middle school Halloween party, and this dude just stands up. Hey, spotlight's on me. I'm going to give a speech and call out a girl in the middle of this with a spotlight. He's not even know. doing privately. I've done some dumb. I've I've done some dumb theatrical bullshit in my day. Uh, I I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> certainly, um, I would say if you were going to do something like this, it should be with the the person's consent. Uh, this is this is kind of like doing a pl- a public engagement. You should only do that after you've confirmed with that person that they are okay with the idea of a public engagement. So that is shitty. Uh, he clearly has not told Karen he's going to do this, but you know, I don't think Karen's going to find out anyways. <laughs> no, this reveals real good. Uh, yeah. I went from going boo to just cheering. 
Yeah, uh, because uh, he's going to have his butler show a spotlight onto the girl of his dreams that he loves so dearly. Um, and as his butler is doing that, the I guess like a screw or something slips, and the um, the spotlight hits him in the head and knocks him out, and it swings wide and lands on Sam. Uh, clearly, uh, this has been foreshadowed in a previous episode and is not clearly setting this up as an ongoing, oh, excuse me, as an ongoing plotline in future episodes. This is, this is them coming to roost on a previously held plotline of the, of the previous season. Definitely not just making this thing happen. Uh, and this leads to Samantha literally walking over everyone else. Just jumps across her heads. It's great. Yeah. (laughs) And tells him to stop being such jealous crybabies. And it finally clicks for me who Samantha is. She's a canker sister from Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. She's great. Um, (laughs) I love love Sam so much. Uh, Yeah, she's just, she's totally owning it. She's like, oh, uh, you know, I'm so flattered. Like, da-da-da-da-da. I love a guy in period costume. Just, it's, Yeah. We, we feel it. It's, you know, it's it, good. So the line, uh, I love a man in period costume. And then he goes, uh, Samantha. And he goes, and my two favorite words. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, she says the line, uh, to think you'd fall for me, you're a man of good taste. And both the sub and the dub. And that's wonderful. That's Anytime someone asks you out, you always should say they have good taste. That's just for good relationship advice. Yeah. Um, but... We get an extra scene here um, where she's all starry-eyed and leaning in. And it like it's a cute thing. I'm going to gift the hell out of it. Um, and they make some great wordplay here. So um, in the Japanese uh, names of them are uh, Kikuhime and Koji. And she goes, uh, a princess and a prince, is this what they call fate? Princess Hime and Koji uh, and prince is Oji. And like that's real good that's a real good yeah. bit right there yeah and that's coming from samantha yeah. who and, and is not I supposed to be the smartest but we'll say that um yeah i i will say another thing that makes this kind of like uh the like i did accidentally watch this episode uh god months ago when it would have technically appeared in the in the timeline in the japanese order by accident um and it was like okay yeah this is a good episode when i watched it but now having the the context of uh for love or row battle on this too i do really like this episode because you know like sam comes into this and is like uh you know like the whole problem with the previous guy was that you know he didn't respect her enough to like to to row battle her and like her as a person mm-hmm. and uh for koji to be a person who is like a hyper competent uh, uh you know uh meta fighter uh, really shows that yeah, like she feels like she's being appreciated for her skills by somebody who has similar skills, not some fucking pushover with a mantis shrimp or whatever the fuck, a lobster robot <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> and they got so much in common. I mean, they both they both just destroy Icky and get completely destroyed by Icky in about a five minute difference each time. Um, they also are weighted hand and foot by uh, uh, you know people that are. Uh, you know, really deserve better. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, I mean, look at Smilodon ad. Smilodon ad has two long brown bangs framing its face, just like Sam. You could have said that Smilodon and Peppercat are both cats. I, I could have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I like the bang thing. 
Uh, but yeah, this is where um, uh, Sloan. We see Sloan and Spike crying in the audience out of happiness that that Samantha has found a worthy love, uh, and Koji gets scared and runs off because he cannot explain how why this is a mistake. Uh, and Samantha immediately just kind of like remarks with, uh, "Oh God, what was it?" Um, Men can never commit. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which is great. Uh, yeah, and the sub she goes to think he dumped me. He's so stupid. <laughs> it's it's good to see that her ego isn't taking a hit from this because you know uh sam's great samantha's fantastic uh, um real quick we get a crowd shot of koji looking for karen and we see aki looking super creepy with low detail i hate it i hate it <laughs> he looks so awful in this episode he does uh he always looks awful though. which led me to believe what if this isn't really aki what if this is a robot double did he just put like a fake Aki head on to like to to hide the fact that it has a robot body? Maybe. I don't know. He's he's crazy. He's rich, and he doesn't respect people. Yeah, who knows what he's doing? He sent a robot here in his stead. Um, Karen can't no, tell. No, I no, I I don't think that's true. And and for a couple of details, we'll get closer to the end of the episode. Uh, but I think it is Aki in that suit of armor pissing and shitting constantly. Um, I really, I don't think he sent a robot in his place. I think he's f- uh, fulfilling his full decadent life right now. Now, hold on. What if a robot's pissing and shitting? Mitch, you've had some wild theories so far, but I don't, I don't think this is one of them. <laughs> I, I think robots pissing and shitting is too far. <laughs> I'm sure there's some uh, website on the I'm, internet that would back me up. I'm not going to look for it. Is the grossest we've been on this on this podcast so far? <laughs> huh. uh, so, uh, uh, Koji is, is running away. Uh, Sam goes back to eating uh, as, as her primary plan. Um, and uh, uh, Koji runs into Spike and Sloan, who immediately lay into him for abandoning Sam and, and not treating her well and, and being rude to her and da-da-da-da-da. And Koji freaks out because they're dressed as two bugs. Uh, no um, bugs, Caterpie, and a flea-slash-cockroach. <laughs> I think you're skipping ahead a bit. Yeah, he should have run into the Rubber Robos first. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, shit, yeah, I did. I scrolled down too much. Uh, shit, 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 shit. Uh, yeah, um, Take care of that he does run off and gets cornered by the Rubber Robos. Thank you. <laughs> and there's a scene of him going full, like, Phoenix Wright, and it's fantastic. Yeah. There's a lot of good uh, animation here. None of it yeah. of Aki, but, like, there's a lot of good animation in this episode. <laughs> Yeah, because, uh, you know, the um, uh, the rubber robos are like, you know, oh, you know, you've got to give us all your rare metals. And Koji's like, I don't fucking have one. Uh, and uh, they just keep firing back. Well, you're the rich, you're the richest kid here. You have to have something. And uh, they pull out uh, their their metabot uh, when when Koji refuses to ma- uh, back down. And it is a manta prey, uh, a big praying mantis robot. And it just keeps saying chop, 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 chop. And I love it so much. I love that it can only say one word. <laughs> um, in the in the sub, they have a good lead up to the name of the Metabot, and they're they're challenge. They're like, "You want to fight us? You're underestimate. Uh, you're underestimating us, Robo." And he goes, "I'll show you who's underestimating who." To which Gilgal goes, "Hypocrite! It's time to fight." And I thought they were calling him a hypocrite. And then they summon Metabot Hypocrite. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the name hypocrite of the man that you hypocrite. are. <laughs> uh it's a cool design it's got like these four um ball feet and it's just constantly wiggling and like moving 
Uh, it is so cool. Uh, when we see it a little later, it struck me what it reminded me of. It reminds me of like a little baby toy. Like it's got the little ball feet and it, it moves kind of by scooching uh, part of it. And then the other part catches up. It's really neat. This is a cool design. Big fan. It, and it doesn't say chop, 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 chop. And that's sound. fucked up. It's got a, uh, it's got a regular voice. That's the best part of it. Uh, well, hold on. It's got a regular voice and the voice is so dopey. I love it. Yeah, uh, I will say uh, we do. We also get to hear uh, Simulodon's voice again in this episode, uh, and uh, you know, just like previous episodes, we've heard Simulodon awful voice. I don't know what they're fucking trying to do with this voice. <laughs> One thing I'm worried about that we're skipping over though is a repeated bit in this episode, and that is it cutting back to uh, Arika and Icky just stuffing their faces and acting <laughs> like Stanton and Waldorf. Oh yeah. They're great. Okay, oh, yeah. that is back. good. Yeah. Meta B asked for a soda, as if a, a Metabot would want a soda anyway. Yeah. They have some commentary, and then we get back to someone making a fool of themselves. Yeah, they're mostly completely ignoring anything actually going on. Like, they'll throw a comment at it and then go back to just, like, eating meatballs or whatever. It's very good. They're doing the right thing at a party, which is eating lots of good food. <laughs> you know, I didn't write it down, because that's just how it should be. Icky and Arika just on the corner somewhere just commenting every now and then so we can focus on other people for a change i mean <laughs> it makes it a really good icky episode <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I would like arika being a little more present but you know what i'm fine if she's just keeping icky out of trouble it's good uh, yeah um, we, but yeah uh the the rubber robos are are you know basically like you know are challenging koji to a fight uh he freezes up but uh you know, won't back down because karen is potentially watching out there somewhere uh, and so agrees to a meta battle, which is when Mr. Referee flies in. Uh, Mitch, what is, what is Mr. Referee dressed as? Uh, he's dressed as the champion of Earth from Krypton. Uh, he's dressed as Superman. Now, oh. in the sub, the colors are one-to-one. Uh, it's exactly Superman's blue, exactly Superman's red. <laughs> it, in the dub, it's orange in this weird dark blue. Uh, very unusual. I mean, it's, I understand yeah, why. It's, it's weird that they change the colors. I feel like that wouldn't be an issue. It, it, like, I think it would be worth looking at like other colors between the two things to to see if if there are like one if there's like a, a, a transmission issue or something. But like the fact that they would just purposely like, mm, well, we don't want DC Comics to sue mm-hmm. us because it's 2001 and they're a very powerful company. They weren't. Um, but you know, uh, got to play it safe, I guess, and change the colors on this on this guy's outfit. <laughs> um, uh, superhero parodies were a lot riskier back in the day. I mean, they're still pretty risky. Uh, changing the colors is the easiest way to do it. And DC uh, DC is pretty litigious about two of their heroes. The only two that people That's care true. about. Um, yeah, the two that make lots of money. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, I'm sure it wouldn't really have mattered, but you know, airing. You know, one of your main characters in a Superman costume yeah. for the rest of the episode. You know, might as well just change the colors a little bit. Um, did you do the research on what the character on his chest is? <laughs> research? No. <laughs> I used my Translate app on my phone, and it just popped up with a number five. Um, okay, uh, that's simple. Uh, five in Japanese is... Um, not uh, goes the wrong one uh it's definitely not the symbol that was on there well um if it is five five looks enough like an s that that joke is good um my my problem <laughs> is um the character looked different every time i paused the 
uh, like the tail of it or like how close everything was, it looked different enough that it could have meant several different things. So I was like, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to worry about it. Colin's got yeah. my back. Colin knows what's going on. Colin's better at this than I am. I, Mitch, I, I hate to tell you this. The reason that I never tried to learn Japanese is because I know I do not have the discipline or the character to learn uh, hiragana, katakana, kana, and, and kanji. That is the entire reason I've never even tried. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I, f- funny joke. Uh, I guess, I guess it might be, um, I guess what I just found is, is five in katakana and maybe in hiragana. It's, it's the, the symbol that we saw on his chest and like having five be on there because S that would, that that's funny. Uh, but, um, Koji can't even manage to command Simulodon because he's so terrified by uh, the Manta Prey, and uh, Simulodon gets its shit kicked in, and Koji even just flat out runs away. Um, and which this is then when we find uh, Sam continuing to to eat food. Uh, uh, Spike and Sloan are saying that she's eating her feelings over Koji abandoning her. I don't think she is. I think she's just enjoying a five star dinner. Um, uh, in, in the sub, she outright goes. Because uh, in the dub, like, oh, you know, that's the last plate of rice pudding, and which is weird. Uh, it's just rice. It's ju- you can just say something's rice, okay? Um, in the sub, she outright goes, leave me alone. I'm eating all my sadness. <laughs> okay. And they're like, yeah, okay, boss, whatever you need. Yeah. It could be like a dessert rice kind of thing. Um, it could be sweet rice. Uh, and, and certainly, you know, uh, rice pudding is a thing, you know, I, I make it pretty frequently and I wouldn't call it, uh, a dessert, but I have shoveled massive amounts of it into my body. So yeah, you know, whatever. <laughs> so we can frequently see Meta B just act on his own in a battle, but Similodon completely shuts down. He's lost without direction from Koji. I think this is both the fact that, uh, Meta B has a rare metal. And also, Meta B just being a huge cantankerous piece of shit, which I love about him. Uh, I think it's just in Sumilodon's character that he's not going to do anything without Koji's direction. He is He's kind of like a butler robot when it comes down to it. <laughs> Robotler. Okay. Um, I wonder uh, if, because we've never seen anybody buy a new Metabot in Metal. Uh, I wonder when you buy your Metal, if you register it to your name and everything. Because Icky just found his in a river and plugged it in. It, he might not have followed all the steps properly. Um, I would assume that it's kind of like putting a SIM card in your phone, that putting a medal in your metal watch like involves some kind of boring, mundane registration process so they wouldn't show on a television show, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Um, but we we have seen somebody buy a new uh, a new Metabot um, because even though we will not see Crosser Dog in this episode, canonically uh, Spike should have Crosser Dog at this moment, which is an upgraded form of uh, uh, whatever the previous form of Crosser Dog was that I can't remember off the top of my head. Cyan Dog, but it was Cyan the same dog. metal. Yeah, yeah, same metal, same metal, mm-hmm. but different different robot. Uh, so you know, we know the parts are registered because they're. Uh, they could be transferred from one watch to the other, or from a watch to a metabot, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we can only assume that the the metals are the same thing. Uh, it would be wild if you could transfer metals in and out of the same metabot, though. You can do it in the games. 
That's yeah, well, the games also have an adult man tickling uh, elementary schoolers as a plot point, so oh, who no, the fuck Hold on, knows? hold on. The metabot was tickling children. Oh, okay. The adult man was just telling him to do so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yikes, moving on. Uh, yeah, moving after on. After commercial break, uh, <laughs> Koji's butler laments that his fears of Koji's phobia of bugs is turning into pure psychopathic animal instinct come true. Oh, oh well, well, real quick, the thing that brings this on is uh, uh, Koji gets cornered by Sloane and Spike, who are giving him a hard time for being so mean to Sam and breaking her heart like this. And because they're both dressed like bugs, uh, Koji gets scared by them and immediately tries to run away, runs face first into a pole, falls over, and a bunch of, like, the, like a comical basket full of bugs fall off of this pole directly onto Koji's face, which makes his mind break and he becomes fully jokerified. Uh, which is then when, yeah, his butler is like, oh, he's turned to only to animal instinct. Now, we do live in a society. <laughs> yeah. And we say it all the time. Um, so the the speech that the uh, the butler gives in the sub, he goes, oh, no, it happened again. And I'm like, hold on, what? He goes, he received psychological trauma. I'm like, wait, I don't know if he can just say that as it's happening. And he goes, he lost his mind. The destructive personality he buries so deep within his mind awoken in its stead. And I'm like, huh, all right. I guess this just happens. I guess the butler just goes, yep, that's trauma. Okay, he reverted to his destructive personality. Yeah, you know, like, um, when I fall into a rut with mental illness, um, I, I fall into a malaise of depression, um, and, and some, you know, maybe some self-destructive behavior, but it's mostly just me not doing anything. Uh, so, you know, uh, good, good ups on Koji for instead turning into the Joker and deciding to just give an infinite string of commands to your metabot to terrorize people at this party as he just shouts various attacks and backflips and whatever at, at Similodon, who turns into a wily or turns into a, a Taz the Tasmanian devil tornado of destruction at this party. <laughs> And this looks like a job for the nearest people to the butler to solve, who just <laughs> happen to be Icky and Arika. Uh, my- yeah, because like the butler's the butler's plan is to wait for Koji to tire himself out and get better, and is like, well, if anybody else has a better idea, I'll give you five star dinners for free for a year. Uh, I I really do like. Um, so he's saying all this to the children. And the children go, uh, who are you? And he introduces them himself. They introduce themselves, and they have a polite, calm conversation about what to do. And in the background, you hear just screaming and things breaking. Yeah. <laughs> it just sounds well, a destruction. You know it's you know another confusing thing about this whole situation? They're introducing themselves when they met only a handful of episodes ago in the finale of season one. Where everybody was in a in, in a jeep together for many hours well, as, as the butler drove them back to the city. You're, and you're telling me that now they're finally introducing themselves. To you're each forgetting other. me and my uh, shadow sword where they met. Ooh, yeah, that too. Also, they met. Uh, there. Also, uh, um, he was he was there during the Rintaru episode. I don't yes, believe he, he interacted. Yes, he was present in the Rintaro episodes, um, too. Wow, this is crazy. It's almost like these episodes were shuffled out of order. <laughs> but yeah, um, it makes sense. He's not allowed to talk to the children without Koji's direct action. And direct... Oh, you can speak now, Butler. 
Uh, but since oh, Koji's is th- not... Is this the 25th Amendment of butlering, is what you're telling me, is now he can finally introduce himself to them? Well, now that Koji uh, has checked out mentally, he's like, all right, I'm free of my duty temporarily. Hey, kids, what's up? It's me, your boy, Butler. <laughs> it's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah. Also, uh, we shouldn't forget that, uh, that out of nowhere, I don't know if this if this joke or any like comparable dialogue is in the sub, but they do throw in Meta B saying, "Wow, with a mustache like that, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't need to filter my drinks, or something like that." Uh, oh, with a mustache like that, who needs a handkerchief? There. Oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. While the uh, butler is wiping his nose with his sleeve because he's classy. Uh, let me tell you, as somebody who like occasionally has varying amounts of facial hair and also has allergies and has had to work in areas that directly exposed me to allergies that I have, uh, yeah, a mustache only makes sneezing and, and whatever worse. Like, having a mustache means that you need a handkerchief, like, all the more, and that's why I carried them yeah. for a long time. I was going to say known handkerchief fan, Colin. Yeah, known, known handkerchief user, Colin at Pagetish. Uh Oh man. Um So also Meta B doesn't trigger Koji's phobia at all? They make a comment about this, uh, I think earlier in the episode and or no, no. Uh they, they make a comment as we go into um uh with this with this whole thing of, of who's gonna solve this problem. Uh the butler begins to exposit on Koji's entire backstory. Uh we find out that uh uh you know Koji used to love bugs. Used to love bugs incredibly. Yeah, he was a bug catcher from Pokemon. He wore those short shorts because they're comfy and easy to wear. And then he (laughs) just caught bugs all the time. Yeah. And uh, one of his star uh, collections was he found a mantis uh, egg sack uh, on a branch. And, and, you know, it was like, oh, you know, this is beautiful. I love this. I'm going to take it. Um, uh, after his, his butler explained like, oh yes, you know, uh, uh, you know, after, after they fully gestate, they'll emerge from the egg sac and, and hundreds of them will join their, their insect brethren in the wild. And Koji, um, uh, you know, uh, was like, yes, this will be the star of my collection. Uh, did the, the full like, uh, set up to encase it in a, a, a Pyrex, uh, wood framed box and put it in his collection, and then went on to have different hyper-focuses and got really into reading, apparently. Uh, and then, uh, you know, eventually the the Mantis egg sac hatched, and thousands of Mantis, uh, 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 you know, nymphs poured out of it. Uh, Koji finally put his book down, opened his closet up, and was overwhelmed with so many baby Mantises that he was, like, forever traumaed and uh, now has a fear of bugs. And that's where we are. Uh, this entire episode, uh, they're wiggling their fingers every time they talk about these bugs. And it it's so great. When uh, Koji's yeah. losing his mind and screaming, the entire time he's just wiggling his fingers like they're bugs. Yeah. It's a nice and little touch. And plus, to your point, uh, Metabee brings up this exact thing of like, well, why isn't Koji ever afraid of me? I'm a fucking beetle. Uh, and the butler clarifies, uh, it's, it's you know, truly the mantis is Koji's greatest fear. And it's about the huge bug eyes and the, the, the mini legs. And, you know, beetles, they just aren't, they aren't as wiggly and they aren't as eyeball-y. They're just big, thick boys. They're about those wing cases, you know. We do love a so beetle. Now they uh, they have the bounty of a year of five star meals, <laughs> and it's not just Icky and Erika who are prompted by this, but also the screws 
who are then yes. attacked by this military military grade metabot and thrown into a bush. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, because like I guess the whole thing is like um, you know this is the setup for everybody eating for most of this episode is to motivate them to do anything about the situation with Koji. Cause yeah, like Sam is immediately like, Oh hell yeah. I'll beat up my new boyfriend to, uh, to get five star meals for the rest of the year. And they all charge him and immediately like Similodon throws them into a hedge. It's great. <laughs> um, Metabee goes to fight, uh, Similodon and I immediately head into the wall, like creates a giant dent where his head was. And then Icky goes, um, he lost himself in madness. It's given him strength. Uh, and then Menabee goes, if he loses himself in madness, then I will too. And I'm like, buddy, that's a Gundam line right there. Oh, man. That oh, that line's almost too good for Gundam. Like, that's a good-ass <laughs> fucking line. And then, and then, yeah, he just jumps and they just start beating the shit out of each other. Well, um, Smilodon is just going like, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, Menabee's just making beetle noises and just beating yeah. the shit out of him. It's so good. Uh, Metabee does eventually get thrown into a fucking wall, though. <laughs> well, <laughs> just head first. I mean, that happens. Um, yeah, the, the, these fights are good, um, quick but good fights. Um, but then they're just over. The fights yeah. just all end. It's they they are very they're Looney Tunes fights. They're big clouds of like smoke and and punches and sound effects and that kind of thing. Uh, I don't want us to miss that, uh, like, the thing that gets uh, Metabee back into the fight after he gets thrown in the wall is uh, uh, Koji calls him a dung beetle, <laughs> which uh, Metabee is very offended by. A dung beetle's cool. Everybody loves a scarab. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, in the middle of all this fighting is when Karen and Aki are enjoying, you know, having a nice time at the buffet. Uh, you know, uh, Karen is, is having some, some canapes or something and Aki's enjoying a nice glass of red wine and Aki is just like, Hey, it's probably about time that we left. Right. And like, Karen's like, yeah, sure. And so Karen heads over to Koji to, you know, uh, say her goodbyes, uh, tells Koji it was really nice to see him. And, you know, it was such a nice party and, and Koji completely breaks out of his psychosis. Uh, and it's just like, Oh, wow. Oh yeah. Uh, Thank, thank you for coming, but then completely misses his chance to tell Karen his feelings for her, as she's just like, oh yeah, it was a really great party, I'll see you at class tomorrow. And the rich get richer. <laughs> um, the entire time Aki's just in the car, he's got this giant shit-eating grin the whole time, and I hate it. So here's, And a glass of wine. Well, no, here's here's what sinks it for me, that this is Aki and not an Aki robot simulcrum bodyguard for Karen is he had a glass of wine very clearly like a big tulip mm -hmm. uh, uh, bowl glass of wine um, and then when we see him in the limousine afterwards he has a very shallow almost martini glass style glass that's got a darker red substance in it which is very clearly a Manhattan uh, just there's no way that Aki is not just living it up tonight, being incredibly decadent, eating everything he wants to, having multiple drinks, you know, like, oh, I've had a few sips of this glass of wine. I'm done. Let's leave this party. We're going to go in the limo. I'm going to have a Manhattan mixed up. It's going to be poured into this, this shallow, wide glass, and I will sip from it to get my sustenance as we drive home, because I don't have to worry about drunk driving because I'm a rich asshole who has a limousine. <laughs> Except I believe that's Karen's limousine. I'm a rich asshole who my da my uh, creation daughter niece has a limousine. 
um, it, it's so good. Uh, he does the um, Koji does like the fingers touch. A he's like, well, I didn't, I didn't tell you anything yet. <laughs> like, yeah, whatever, dude. It, it, it's not a good night to do it. You, you got, you accidentally asked out a different girl, and then destroyed the entire party. <laughs> Karen doesn't care, but like, yeah, just wait till tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, and Koji's surprisingly uh, mature about it. He just goes, yeah, I missed my chance. And looks at the but, moon. <laughs> and he has an inner monologue, and then a bug falls in front of him, and he freaks out again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is when Mr. Referee calls the matches incomplete and saying it won't account towards anyone's record. Um, which is wild because at this point the ranks for the year have already been decided. Not to continually go back to this this well of water, but it shouldn't matter that this affects anyone's rank because they've already decided he's going to the world championship. So matches shouldn't matter at this point at all. But here, Mister Referee is saying that this match doesn't count for anything. Uh, truly wild and confusing in the world uh, that we live in of English metabots. What's even weirder to me? Uh, and the dub, he goes, I don't care. I get paid either way. And I'm like, okay, I know the ref gets paid. <laughs> like, that makes sense. It, it is weird, though, that he brings that up to me. Because, you know, the ref is built up as this man who cares about the craft. And it's weird well, he's crass well, enough to talk about, oh, you know, I get paid whether or not. Unless he's trying to make sure people aren't worried about him. I, that makes sense. Okay, never mind. I take it back. Yeah, yeah, because in it, we do know that Metabots is a libertarian hell world, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the thing to be worried about is that uh, there would be some kind of algorithm or or YouTube like attention to like you know fights going viral or certain people having good narratives or whatever that uh, Mister Referee would be pressured to make sure that certain matches ended certain ways, right? And to know that he is, in fact, salaried, that he gets paid the same, no matter, like, whether a match finishes or not, whether or not a match finishes in a certain way or not, he is simply paid to referee, is the confirmation that at least in this this crazy, fucked-up situation that we have, where children are given uh, massively destructive weaponry, that at least Mr. Referee's holy ability to to be the arbiter of a match is... is preserved it's okay. the one thing that we can hope for. so so you're going for um it's about ethics and metabots uh referee calling see i was going more towards uh a, a commission-based structure where he's like don't worry i'll still get paid my fee for being the referee today even if i call the match as a tie or not valid that's true. You know, it could we could be worrying about how many how I guess that is uh yeah, he's not salaried. He's doing it on commission. He gets he gets commission for the match regardless, but like I would rather Mr. Referee have a salary so he isn't going around overexerting himself, getting into bad situations, you know, getting on top of flaming buildings just to make sure that he gets his commission for a meta a metabots match happening. You mean that's what I don't want to happen. You don't want him being overly excited and calling a metabots match every time he possibly can in order to make a living? Kind of oh, like, like he's per- doing. <laughs> like perhaps uh, having a sign fall on him and almost kill him and him having to step out of a uh, an ambulance to uh, referee a Metabots match so he can get his commission to pay for his uh, his medical bills. I would hate for that to happen. This would be awful if that happened. Uh. Um, uh, getting back to the show, uh, it, 
uh, Mr. Referee slides out of frame, and then we see uh, the Mantis uh, metabot, Hypocrite, and he's got a dopey voice, and he's scratching his head, and he goes, so why was he even called here exactly? Uh, Which is a better line than chop, 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 chop. Yeah, in the dub, he just goes chop, 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 because I love him and he's my son. Uh, If I I could just touch on this before we completely end it, regardless of how Mr. Referee is paid, and this does get addressed in the next episode, the most important thing to him is theater. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, he's at every match, not just for the match and the passion of the fight itself, but because of theatrics. I want to be honest, I don't know if Mr. Referee cares about Metabot fighting at all. I don't care. I don't know if he, you know, he really cares. I think it's more about the theatrics for him than anything else. Yeah, Mr. Referee is the best actor. Absolutely. He's he's definitely at least... um, there's a lot of the best characters in the show. He's definitely top three, for sure. Um, at the end of the episode, we do get a, a sad horn, and then the, just the word none on the uh, end screen that tells you what parts were won that day. It's the second time we've gotten this exact gag, and I love it every time. <laughs> it's very good, yeah. So I guess we're going to kick it off with the next episode. Uh, once frostbitten, twice shy. Uh, it's episode 30. Or episode 29 in the sub, uh, The Snowman Has Arrived. Yeah, and this is very weird how closely it matches up, honestly. <laughs> they couldn't have done this one last episode, so we could have had that parody there. Just just for me, maybe. <laughs> the only person who cares about uh, the sub and the dub episodes recording at the same time. Yeah. Um, I I guess, like, the... Oh, man. Uh, the The thing about this episode is... The, the thing that we're going to get into is this episode makes a lot of sense if it was going to be somebody challenging uh, uh, Icky and Metabee over their points to get into the final, like, row battle. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, is where it where it physically lies is uh, before that whole arc starts. So this is literally, the you know, we'll get into who the villain of this episode is, but this is just a man coming to fuck with Icky for no reason whatsoever like this episode happens before inter rentaro it happens before 15 minutes of shame like oh no it happens after 15 minutes of shame mm-hmm. but before inter rentaro so just like you know doesn't factor in at all whatsoever uh despite that having a very clear like you know could have been uh, a pitch for for an episode after inter rentaro that just like somebody was like eh, can't fit it in let's put it in over here instead uh uh the the other thing that bothers me is like this. There's no reason this couldn't have been last episode, especially since the air date uh, of season two so far is we had episode 27, 28, 29, and 30, um, 31, um, which is 6, 13, 24, 29, 33, for those keeping track at home. Uh, came out July 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Like they were all airing back to back anyway. Yeah. This, this could have been just 29 and 29. Yeah. They could have done that for me. But they didn't. No. They did it specifically to spite you, Mitch. I'm sorry. <laughs> they did it on purpose, 39 or 30 and 29. They, they could have had it the other way. They changed it so it wasn't that. And um, I the anger I felt over that was immediately taken away because the very first thing we see in the episode is Coachman Mountain. This is a Coachman Co- Mountain episode. Coachman Mountain is climbing a icy frozen summit 
about to die in the midst of, of this hard and cruel world. And he yells at the figures of some kids that he sees that they need to find shelter uh, before the blizzard takes them. And then uh, is overcome and rolls down the frozen tundra of the mountain, uh, only to re- reveal this is, in fact, the school that we know so well, the elementary school that, that everyone attends. And we find out that this is a cold open. We flash back to one day. What a good opening. This is such a good opening to an episode. <laughs> it's everything I need. It's drama. I, it's Coach Man Mountain. It's somebody dying. <laughs> I do have to say, though, he says, as a highly respected gym teacher, I pride myself on being prepared for anything. And he is sorely unprepared for something that is pretty obvious. <laughs> All right. That, that actually touches on um, the only sore point in this episode uh, is the difference between the sub and the dub and how they handle Coach Man Mountain. Uh, we'll get into it a couple times later. But just overall, anytime Coach, uh, Coach Mountain in the dub is talking about physical fitness, uh, just remember in the sub, he's talking about how much he loves his children. <laughs> Uh, he's not a muscle bound idiot who uh, only cares for working out in the in the uh, the sub. He only cares about children and teaching them and enriching their lives. Yeah, making sure that they don't end up being couch potatoes or he, no, whatever. He doesn't say any of that in the the sub. Oh, he doesn't care about physical <laughs> in the in the sub. Uh, he physical fitness is just a way to sharpen their minds. It's a tool and a large toolbox he has for education. It's I not, feel like it's that not came goal. through more in the previous Coach Man Mountain episodes. Yeah, uh, which uh, I guess makes sense why they push this episode mm-hmm. forward so that you wouldn't you'd have like a little bit more room to forget about Coach Man Mountain's like basic character, so you wouldn't be alarmed when yeah. he was suddenly like so focused on yeah. being a meathead. He, he's a, he's a muscle bound himbo in this episode. Uh, in the dub, in the sub, he's just a big muscly guy who loves his kids. Yeah, but um, I'm just going to throw that out there, like. The the tone of Coach Man Mountain throughout this entire episode is radically different. I'm it's excited wild. to see it. <laughs> so we do do this flashback to one day ago. Uh, Arika and Icky are freezing on their way to school, uh, possibly because they're both wearing their normal outfits that are short-sleeved, and uh, in Icky's case, also shorts, with just a scarf on. Uh, which, you know, can keep you a little bit warm, but really is not effective. Um and Icky even sees a snowflake fall. Um, and we immediately cut back to uh, after the school day, back at the Tenryo household. Miss Tenryo is saying that, you know, oh, uh, Icky probably saw like a, 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 a an ash flake or something instead. Uh, because it's too early for snow this time of year. It could never happen. Um, uh, we get a weird thing in the, uh, in the sub, um, which just makes Metabots a fantasy world. It's not Earth. Because what they say was, uh, he, he thought he caught a snowflake, and it turned out to be a bug. And his mom goes, oh, yes, those are snow bugs. Uh, they're pretty rare. My mother uh, told me they used to be a lot more common. Uh, but they're rare now, and they warn of impending cold weather. And I'm <laughs> okay. like, uh, wh- what? <laughs> well, that's good foreshadowing. Yeah. Well, yeah absolutely, it's good foresh- foreshadowing. But snow bugs? Magical bugs that just look like snowflakes? Yeah, this is very strange, especially because, like, I think the thing we're supposed to, like, get from this is this is an unusual unusual cold snap, uh, which more regular in our day and age of climate change and and 
you know, rapid destabilization of Reiki's systems and whatever. Um, but uh, it seems like maybe this is like a, you know, uh, uh, this is supposed to be like southern Japan. So like fairly contiguous to like Virginia, the the mid Atlantic region of America, of us just getting like a really hard snow in December or something. Um, so I, I don't know. Uh, seems seems a little wild. You would just like uh, hard pivot to like oh snow bugs, bugs that tell you when snow is gonna be here, but then also not actually expect snow to actually. Come. Now, it also could be, uh, Miss Tenry was just fucking with Hickey. <laughs> She could have just been lying to him just to tease him. That also does fit her character. And they're Very not bugs true. at all. We do love Mrs. Tenrio. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, it was just weird. Uh, yeah, this is when Salty goes to investigate the sliding glass door of their house uh, and sees uh, many snowflakes descending from on high. Um, and we immediately cut to ne- the next day where it is snowy outside. Meta B is out there playing in the snow. It's the first snow he's ever seen. Everyone is still wearing shorts and t-shirts for no reason. Nobody's put coats on. Oh, um, shorts are comfy and easy yeah, to wear. They, they are, but they're very cold in this time of, of snow and, and freezing temperatures. I don't understand why no one's wearing a coat. If they uh, wore that, I guess we're in southern Japan where everything's hot all the time. If they wore pants, you wouldn't know their children. They have to wear shorts so you know their kids. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> that's just how anime. But you have works. to assume that they have coats because she says we don't get snow this early in the season, which that's implies that indeed they do get snow. Yeah, you know they're they're growing children. They haven't gotten their winter coats bought yet. the The coats they have are too small. Uh, they're 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 tiny little tiny little boy, tiny little girl coats or whatever. Um, their yeah, uh, their winter uh, coats haven't grown in yet this season. Yeah, <laughs> God. Um, but they are at the the playground and and they are confronted when Sam beans Icky with a snowball and challenges them to a snow battle. Uh, the, you know, cause this is the time of year when the playground is covered in snow, it turns from a place for, for children to play into a battlefield for children to compete in. Um, and, uh, Arika's ready to like blow it off cause it's time to go to school. But, uh, you know, Sam calls her a Freddy cat and a coward. And that, that gets Arika fired up enough to say, yes, we will have snow battle. We will have snow warfare here to determine the victor. <laughs> uh, because nobody calls Arika Yella. <laughs> yes. She's well, a fact, journalist, not a yellow journalist. We even oh. get a really close-up shadowed shot of Samantha's eyes as she's saying that. Just like a classic Western. Um, in, the, uh, in the sub, Sam's waxing poetic about how uh, the snow changes a familiar landscape into something else. And it is her job as a child to build upon that already cherished memory. Um, well, what would be a cherished memory as an adult by ruining that fresh field of snow and changing landscape twice. And they're like, uh, all right. And Arika goes to leave. So Sam goes, I guess being good at dodgeball doesn't mean you're good at a snowball fight. To which Arika grins and she goes, now that I know you're having a snowball fight, I can't back down. And I love how being good at snowball is just a core character trait now for Arika. Good for her. Yeah. It is well, so as good. we know, uh, Sam and Arika are the main characters of the show. So clearly, uh, this is this is their inroad to the rest of this episode. God, they should be. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is very good. Uh, we do cut over to the school real quick while the snow battle is happening. 
the principals cancel school because uh, you know the the amount of snowfall is bad is bad enough that uh, a certain amount of students and faculty cannot reach the school safely, so they have to cancel classes for the for the day. Um, which uh, the our our core team does not find out because uh, Arika is a snowball monster. Uh, she is just pummeling people with snowballs. Uh, it basically, the the situation we have is Icky and Sloane are making making snowballs on mass as fast as they can, while Arika and then Sam and Spike are firing back at each other. Uh, it is a you know Arika uh, uh, regularly calls Icky and Metabee to give her covering fire, which they're very bad at. Uh, Sloane catapults a huge amount of snowballs at uh, Arika and everyone uh, by jumping on a seesaw loaded with them. Um, and uh, eventually, Icky and Metabi are so bad at like giving covering fire that they almost hit Arika and cause a, a, a tree to have a drift of snow fall on her, which which traps her, uh, which leads Sam to like charge in uh, and uh, threaten to kill Icky and Metabi with a, with a snowball, but ultimately uh, jump over them, hit a single soda can with a snowball which uh is i guess the the goal of this entire snow battle is to to take the enemy's can uh and that's what ends the snow battle has sam win and uh you know uh everyone's all kind of like erika's upset about it but then they realize they're late to school and need to rush off this is maybe one of the better action sequences we've seen in all of fucking Metabots, which is wild. <laughs> it's a great scene, and I really like the fact that they have a target for the snowball fight. Because <laughs> so many times yeah. as a kid, you're just throwing snowballs um, either to uh, have fun or to hurt another child uh, with no in-between. And uh, it's nice to know it's time to stop without having to take off your gloves and go, oh yeah, that's frostbite. <laughs> I need to go inside now. <laughs> Also have to love that they put fire in Arika's eyes just to show that this is not a game to her. Oh yeah, like they're very making it clear that this is this is Arika's passion and she's here to murder people with smoke, snowballs. And I fucking love to see it. <laughs> she even goes so far as to tell Icky and Metabi to give her cover as she's running directly at them with a single snowball, like she is going to make Samantha eat it. I I love Arika. She is the best character in the show. She's the hero of the series. Um, I, you know, this is probably uh, the best episode of season two so far. This whole se- uh, this whole episode, which is wild, because they really had to move it to season two because it was just blowing season one out of the water. Basically, <laughs> if this was in season one, it, it would have started first episode. This episode, uh, and um, not Mother of All Robots. That was garbage. Uh, the one right before that, um, uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple. What was it? Uh, uh, Road to Ruins, Raiders of the Lost Metabot. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been just those three episodes that mattered, and no one else would have cared about the rest of the series. <laughs> you had to stretch it out, so you actually got some you know, some ups and downs there. Well, we do... Um, there is a... the oh, we, we have the problem of the episodes that we've seen around this, this episode specifically are what... Um, uh, 15 minutes of shame before it, and then enter Rintaro after it. And the episodes that we're missing are titled uh, um, Love at First Bite and Heavy Metal. Uh, so who knows what we're going to get for context around this episode specifically. It could be great. It could be awful. We won't know for 
you know, several more episodes because of the way that season two is shuffled. Um, but this is a very good episode. Uh, it's, oh man. Um, cause yeah, uh, they, they get the word that they've, uh, the, you know, they're, they're trying to get into school. Uh, school has been canceled. Uh, and they've kind of reached the school as the snow's getting heavier and everyone's left. And they managed to sneak in just past, uh, when, um, uh, the, you know, they, they get in, they, they try to get into school. Sam tells everyone to go through the back door so they don't get tardy slips, which is also when the principal locks all of the outward gates so they can't escape from the school at this point. Um, it is also when they find out that the school's main furnace was broken by the cold snap. So they are now locked inside of the school. No one's here. The heat isn't on. The, the, like, Every, like rooms and hallways are visibly frozen. This is just they're locked in a bad situation. We're in we're in like a, a high stakes episode for the like the first time in a while, or what should be because you know this should have come before the fucking season one finale. <laughs> um, I I think this episode, I you know I really hate to call back to the Esper theory, but um, <laughs> this this does really fit in with the. I mean, no school would, this would not happen. I don't care where you live in the world. This is not going to happen when it snows. This is the child's fantasy of snow. Um, <laughs> and I, I really hate calling back to that one theory almost every episode, but it's right. <laughs> Baby. I, I don't know. The, the thing I will call on uh, as much as we are a bunch of uh, Americans, not in Japan, um, but there's a certain way that like, Japanese schools are conducted that that you know yeah they 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 have a big outward wall and a gate and it's locked at a certain point and like you know it it is treated much more like a campus kind of thing even for like probably not, like elementary schools probably not like they're probably taking a lot of inspiration from like high schools and the way that that the school works uh but like I could I could see this happening of of some kids sneaking around mm -hmm. and getting into a school by accident and having it locked behind them i think they'd still be able to climb the fucking wall to get out like the, oh yeah the the amount of like uh i know when sarah watched this and was like dming us about it was talking about how this episode feels like the day after tomorrow or something like this definitely feels like a, a cataclysmic like um you know world horror kind of movie kind of episode uh, they could have just climbed over the uh, the wall. Like, there's nothing that could have stopped them from doing that. But they are time and time again. And we'll we'll get to that. But like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, oh, it seems I, like they're they're just trying to go for a particular genre for this episode. Yeah. Oh, but no, I'm I'm definitely uh, meaning more like the um, everything's frozen and there's avalanches and there's snowdrifts higher than buildings. Yeah, they yeah they do hint at it for a little bit as to it being a thing that a metabot did, and then it turns out that just no, like this is just a this is just a bad blizzard, just an unusually bad blizzard hit this town, and that's what we're dealing with right now, which is very um, good. Yeah. So now they're locked inside the t the uh, the school. They have no heat. They have no teachers, and they have no hope. Yeah. So what do you do? Uh, well, we're um, we're gonna go uh, raid the teachers' lounge. Uh, we're gonna raid it for 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 treats, for snacks, uh, and also we're gonna cut away real quick because uh, Coach Man Mountain also 
unbeknown to anybody, did oh excuse me, did not track his email or anything, did not see the the alerts that school was canceled today, and was simply doing a hot and sweaty workout deep within the oh, within the school. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, fucking he, uh, he he comes out of his big hot sweaty workout throws open the doors of his of his workout room and finds the gymnasium is completely filled with snow and ice. <laughs> hey, uh, are you ready for me to be right about something else? Yeah. Uh, you know the music coach was listening to? What was it? It was uh, sweet pop music, kind of like ABBA, which I called earlier. <laughs> the, the man's a big fan of like nice, fun pop music. It sounded kind of like ABBA. I'm right again. Listen, the BPM gets you worked up is the important thing. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, I'm a big fan, but like, yeah. I looked at this man. I saw a kindred spirit. I'm like, I know this guy's taste. He likes bubblegum pop. <laughs> Loves Blackpink or whatever the current K-pop sensation is. I don't fucking know. Uh <laughs> We do. Uh, we find out from Erika as we cut back to to the kids uh, that they don't have any cell phone service. I guess cell phone service has been knocked out by the snow somehow. I don't think that's how it works, but it does. Oh, it it um, definitely does happen. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, that's happened around here a couple times. Well, uh, as uh, you being in the region that has lots of snow, I will trust you on that. Um, uh, they they it's, they try to make an escape out to the the walls of the, the school, but it's too cold for them to continue. Uh, they're they're stopping their tracks, and we cut back to uh, uh, Coach Man Mountain, who is climbing through the snow of the the campus, trying to find groundskeeper Billy to get a snowplow to be able to clear the school out with. Um, yeah, uh, this entire snowplow groundskeeper Billy. Um, thing which it, that's that's a reference to the simpsons right yeah it, yeah it's absolutely be. uh that's not in the the sub at all the entire time I'm not surprised. he's crawling he's crawling over the snowbank going uh, you know i don't want to do it but i have to leave and brave the snow i have to risk everything the kids are counting on me to teach them lessons <laughs> and this entire like this starts it he's crawling through the snow in almost no clothing because these yeah, kids in like need a tank him. top and sweats. <laughs> these kids need him to teach school. They're counting on him. They're so excited, and he can't disappoint them. It's great, and he just starts screaming about how much they need him. I love so it. Also, uh, yeah, <laughs> he uh, starts just screaming into the the void of the snow. This this uh, blizzard coming down on him, and he causes what is very predictably an av- avalanche. Yeah. Which Metabi hears is something, uh, which is then we get a red herring because he thinks he's hearing something, but Spike farts uh, and funny fart time. Uh, we think that's <laughs> what it's going to be until everyone is swept away by an avalanche that destroys this part of the school that they're in, which leaves them on the second floor of the school somehow. Uh, this is a plot point that we are going to repeatedly get that the avalanches sweep them up higher into the school or up higher into structures in the school that is never explained. And I do not understand it unless there is some kind of extra detail in the sub. Well, in the sub, they get swept down. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they don't go up. Um, later in the episode, when they get swept up to that weird place uh, we'll get to, uh, they just go, I don't know how we ended up here. I'm just not going to do anything about it. 
<laughs> the snow's too high. Um, okay. The weird thing, this is weird to me, I guess. Um, so in the dub, the fart's more of a... <laughs> in the sub, yeah. it's more of a squeaky whistle. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's the difference between Japanese and English onoma, onoma, uh, onomapia. Uh, it's just how it goes. Uh, I can't say that word. It's too many fucking vowels and consonants back to back. Yeah, onomatopoeia. There we go. It's a good oh, word. Oh, I said it. All right, cool. Yeah, all right. Cool, 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 cool. Um, yeah, it's just sometimes, you know, we, we say things roll around, and uh, in Japanese you say things goro, goro, goro. It's just there's there's differences. Uh, sometimes a fart's a big plark, and sometimes it's a whistle noise, you know. Just be like that. <laughs> I just, I, I thought the juxtaposition of the two different fart noises was just, I had a pause. It was so fun. About, um, yeah, this, Avalanche this and the when, kids die. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Avalanche, the kids die. Uh, they, this is when they go to raid, uh, raid the staff lounge, uh, find a bunch of snacks, uh, and they're ready to divvy them out, but the screws eat everything before anyone can like divvy anything out. Oh, hold on. Uh, as Once know, again, these, we got a couple stuff here. Oh, okay. So uh, the kids are hungry, and Spike makes a hot dog pun, uh, saying he wish he had hot dogs because they'd warm us up. Get it? Because they're hot dogs. Um, but there's an alternative joke. Uh, the direct translation was he wanted to have kimchi because they'll make him kimochi, which apparently means feel good. <laughs> okay. Um, and while they're rummaging around the teacher's lounge... The dub is missing a scene where Icky finds a pile of um, CD cases, I guess. They could be like PS1 era game cases. Or, I mean, this is uh, that time period. It could be Dreamcast games. We just don't know. Um, <laughs> Sega CD, maybe. I, I would go. Anyway, uh, they're just a bunch of shirtless men. Uh, one is holding a samurai sword. Uh, one has a big dragon tattoo on his back. But it's just a CD with shirtless men on them. And Nikki goes... Okay, yeah. So they found Yakuza discs, is what you're telling me. They found Yakuza 1, Yakuza 2, um, Yakuza Senshi, or whatever, um, like, back in time when it was called. But they don't say what it is. The There's some writing on them. It's just, here's some naked muscle men. And uh, Ikki goes, ah, Masumi-sensei has got refined taste. And then it cuts over to Sam with a bunch of little toys and in the the dub they're like oh some kid must like a bunch of little kids must have gotten their toys taken away no 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 she found that in coach man mountain's uh desk those are his toys <laughs> like i didn't expect him to like all this stuff okay yeah because in, in the sub they just commented about them being like confiscated from students and then being baby toys and she throws one away uh it's better that they're coach man mountains honestly <laughs> yeah he he likes cute fun things and you know what he probably wins those at crane games and then he probably gives them away to little kids when he's walking home you know we don't know that i don't trust that <laughs> i i mean he built them a playground yeah but we didn't see the, those kids with toys you know, they, they were poor kids. He's got anyway, anyway. Yeah, there's anyway, a bunch of snacks. Toys don't promote physical activity. I, I don't see Coach Man Mountain doing that. Oh, yeah, physical yeah, toys yeah. promote physical activity. It's not. No, 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 no. I'm here with Claus. Those are Beanie Babies. Beanie Babies are not an active toy. Well, that's you know, fair. it's not going to make him do squats or anything. <laughs> um, and the uh, 
we get one other scene in here that we don't get in the uh, the dub, and it's after Iki confronts them for eating all their food, and their cheeks are huge. Uh, Sam grabs him by the throat and just starts shaking him and screaming at him, saying it's not their fault they were hungry. Yeah, they're always hungry. They're the screws. <laughs> That's what we know about them. And it's we get two rapid fire scenes um, cut out, and I I went back and I was watching the. Uh, I rarely watch the dub again. I rewatch the dub because so much of the language was so different in this episode. Um, and I noticed during some of these parts, they are longer than the sub. Like they didn't add anything extra, which I mean, is fairly normal, but like they just really stretched out and it felt very forced. Um, some of the kids were talking so slowly <laughs> just to fill up some airtime. It was wild. It was very fun for me to do that. But we keep cutting to Coach Man Mountain, and he keeps going, these kids are counting on me to start my lesson. They need an education. Yeah. Uh, in in the dub, instead, we cut over to him saying that he finally got the snowplow from uh, uh, Groundskeeper Billy and uh, needs needs to get back to the school so they can, you know, uh, clear clear out a path or whatever the fuck he thinks he's going to do. Um, uh, which is when we get... Uh, uh, we we go back to to the you know everyone kind of like uh, uh, gathering around a space heater. It's not quite working well enough to keep everybody warm because it's simply so cold outside. The screws begin to pass out uh, against everyone's uh, you know Arika and Icky like telling them not to. And this is when you know Icky's kind of like ready to give up, uh, but Arika charges off on her own to try and find a way to save everybody. And she admonishes Icky for not backing her up. Yeah. Because Icky sucks. He does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is when uh, Coach Man Mountain outside runs into a Canadian man who's enjoying some Japanese ice cream. Uh, the Canadian man asks him if he's Icky Tenryo, and he says no, and then immediately disappears. Uh, just because I guess this Canadian man is looking to kill Icky, because who wouldn't? Um, <laughs> and Coach Man Mountain runs into him by jumping over a giant chasm. That is yeah. just there for some reason. It's it's just the the <laughs> between the two roofs of of uh, two buildings. I'm assuming. <laughs> I I got no idea. I I just loved the fact there was a giant fucking ravine. Yeah, it was so good. Um, he uh, so this Canadian guy uh, leaves, and it sounds like Coach is just about ready to say, "But I hate metabots," <laughs> and then he falls down the ravine. I see. I thought he was going to say, "I hate metabots on the campus," or "I hate met- metabots at school." But I, I really love how dismissive this Canadian guy is when he says, "No, I'm Coach Man Mountain." He goes, "That's nice." Later, and just walks off. It's so good. <laughs> He's just gone, and it's yeah, almost no. exactly the same in the sub. He's like, "Oh no, you know, I'm the I'm the school's coach and teacher." He's like, "All right, bye." <laughs> he just leaves. <laughs> Doesn't help this man dangling for his life, wearing almost no clothing. Whatever, you know, normal Canadian day. Uh, uh, we do, uh, we get another avalanche collapsing a hallway that traps uh, Icky and uh, Metabi and Arika. And then we cut back to Coach Mant Mountain, who gets uh, a super anime dream as he's probably dying as he succumbs to the elements. Uh, uh, we get this. Right before the dream and him passing out, he says, Is this it? Just very quietly. <laughs> and then he dreams and it's like oh yeah he's dying yeah 
he's seeing all of his students. Uh, you know, er, like this is a, a hyper, hyper, like stylized animation sequence of like all of these kids like saying, "Oh, Coach Man Mountain, you're so good." Coach Man Mountain being like, "Oh, I want to train you so well," and everyone's like, "Oh no, we're gonna become couch potatoes now." And this raises his temperature and lets him go Super Saiyan, so that he can melt the snow around him and overcome his obstacles because he cannot let his students become couch potatoes. <laughs> um, or actually start prioritizing terrible classes like math math or other kinds of math yeah you can't be doing math math doesn't get your get you swole it turned him into a beautiful muscular man like coach man mountain yeah uh this is very different in the sub um so first of all in the the dream he's just kind of laughing and running through this field and the kids i do like how the kids look they just look like muppets uh, but the entire time, they're just going, Sensei, Sensei, we need you. Sensei, we need you. Help us. But, like, in a, in a cheerful, fun way. Not not in, a, like, yeah. a scary uh, help us. But, um... That so makes it sound way more scary. But it's it's more of a, like, we, we need you to help us, not, you know... Uh, we're going to become couch potatoes. It's more of a, you can't die yet, you still have things to do, kind of a help us. Um, and then we get a scene that is not in the, uh, the dub. And... Don't worry, I already have a gif of it. Uh, it is not good, so I'm going to have to redo it. Um, because his frozen body starts twitching, but the first thing we see twitch is his butt. <laughs> so his butt just clenches, and then snow goes flying off him. <laughs> and then the rest <laughs> of his body twitches, and that goes off. But the entire time, as he's standing up, he's just muttering under his breath, rapid fire, what it means to be a teacher. Rule one of a teacher is blah, blah, blah. Rule two, blah, blah, blah. He's going on and on about how a teacher must care for his students, never let them down. And then he's erupting with flames and screams. He goes, it is entirely unacceptable for a teacher to be late to his own class. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> uh, so the entire time it's, you know, these kids need me. I need to teach them. I need to be there for them. They're counting on me. I have to be there for them. And in the debit. They literally say the words, I don't want them to learn wimpy math. <laughs> it's the the difference between these two coaches. I uh, Sub Coach Man Mountain, hero of all heroes. Dub Coach Man Mountain, I still like the guy, but, you know, maybe round those corners off a little bit. <laughs> so the coach's eyes, they, they glow white. His skin starts turning red. Steam is coming off of him, and there's just wind whipping around him, throwing his clothing around. And he takes a power stance to shout at the world that he's going to fight his way to the school to teach phys ed. And he causes a third avalanche that is magnetically attracted to the kids. <laughs> and it sweeps them on top of a building, apparently. It does. Uh, the, the thing they find out is like they, they think they get swept around again. They don't know where they are. Uh, they think they're outside of the school somewhere, um, and uh, eventually they uh, fall through a crack, a crack in the ice and snow, uh, which has them tumble down. They, they hold onto a rope and find themselves in the gymnasium. They find out they got swept onto the top of the school, um, and that's when they get introduced to this, this Canadian man and his metabot, Tom and Snowbro. Uh, they've come all the way from Canada, where they are the top meta fighter. 
Uh, one, because they love Japanese ice cream, and two, because they want to fight Icky Tenryo, which is very confusing because this is before we have the published results that Icky is the number three fighter in Japan. Uh, and before we even know anything about the whole, like, arc of, of Icky being in, like, like in line for international meta fights. Now, you keep saying before, this does come after those things. It comes after those things, which also makes it confusing, because if we're going by that timeline, no one should give a fucking shit at all. Uh, well, because it's not the, the battle yet. The rankings are all already decided. You know, going and fighting a person to discover their weaknesses is also going to show your weaknesses. It's a bad plan. None of this makes sense, no matter yeah. what timeline we look at it in. Uh, unless this dude just wants to fight somebody and it had a lot of airline miles. You know, this is, I, I would suspect that if a, a salt of the earth Canadian had a lot of airline miles, they probably have a lot of villainous things in their past. Um, it's really hard to get around Canada. You know, we have Canadian friends, at least the one. Um, yeah, I don't think Sam has enough money to just globetrot around to fight fucking elementary school age children to like prove that he's better than them. Well, we didn't ask. Maybe he doesn't have Metabot championship money. <laughs> uh, that's fair too um in, in the sub the snowman's name is frappe which i like uh it's an sbl okay. type which i believe stands for snowball type which i like um but they keep calling him frappe and uh spoilers for uh seven minutes from now um at the end title when it says what uh what part was one it's from the slb type flip and i'm like i'm I don't know if the snowman is flip. I don't know if the snowman's frappe. I don't know if it's, you know, the L and the R is very different. Um, I got no idea. Yeah, because, like, a, a, a frap is, like, a frozen coffee drink, right? Uh, depending on what your region is, yes. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, it could be short for a frappuccino. Okay, yeah. Well, um, Boston uh, has their own version of a frappe that's whatever. It, it, it's a thing. <laughs> We should not get into this. Uh, what we should get into is the fact that, uh, you know, um, fucking Tom hints that he brought the blizzard with him uh, from Canada, but then admits that's a joke. He couldn't have possibly done that. Humans can't control the weather in that way. Uh, and uh, challenges Icky to a meta fight, at which point Mr. Referee comes in in a uh, an ice dancing outfit, a uh, uh, you know a, a full tutu and everything with with uh, uh, blades and what have you, and, and says that the match will start as soon as he does a triple axel, and at which point he turns into a tornado and does a triple axel, I assume, and the fight is on. The the stance he is in when he calls the battle, uh, splits leg up in the air, finger like. The man has talent. It's not just his craftsmanship, like we always applaud. It's not um, his ingenuity, uh, his dedication. Uh, like, this man is athletic. Like, <laughs> oh, this is pure theater. He is on his toe, on one leg, holding his other skate above his head, and he's getting ready to do a triple axel without letting go of that skate. Ten out of ten. It's I, so I will good. say... Uh, this should be, I, I know we've seen, like, I don't want to downplay his accomplishment of being able to do this, but we've seen Mr. Referee do a lot of acrobatic feats so far. So I don't think we should be that surprised now, that he is, uh, he's so skilled. I do want to remind you the very first time we see Mr. Referee, um, uh, okay, not the first time, I, 
God, was it the first time or the second time? Anyway, in the first episode, he falls off a building because he can't climb a ladder. <laughs> so Ladders are different from ice skating. <laughs> are they? Yes. Yeah, yeah, all right. Do you wear blades on your feet to climb a ladder? No. You could. So it, they're, they're very different skill sets. Uh, yeah, falling off that ladder is very Phantom Renegade of it. Yeah. Uh, also, weird that Phantom Renegade doesn't appear in this episode. Uh, very strange that we haven't seen him yet. Uh, yeah, it, I, guess, it is. I guess because he's dead, but whatever. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's dead. He's not dead. Um, Space Metafighter X is... Oh, I miss him. So Meta B can't control himself on the ice and uh, stumbles around. Snowbro uses his, his freeze ray to freeze Meta B solid and then throw him around, or throw him around a lot. Um, oh, toss him a boot. Yeah, to- toss him a boot. <laughs> we we get some very good uh, bad Canadian pronunciations of things in this episode. They're very they're very great. Uh, a good follow up. I assume that um, uh, for the love of row battle uses the same VA because he's using a very slight Canadian accent in this, and is using a, a Canadian accent turned up to twenty in this one. So uh, I assume it's the same guy. Uh, but yeah, um, uh, Icky's ready to give up until Coach Man Mountain falls out of the ceiling, and his incredibly hot, hot Iron Man heat melts the ice out off of Metabi so that Metabi can get back in the game. Uh, and uh, at which point, uh, Snowbro launches Coach out of the gymnasium. Uh, Metabi uses his homing missiles to attack, but they're completely ineffective against Snowbro uh, until the true meaning of, of Metabi's homing missiles is revealed. They cause an avalanche that collapse on on Snowbro so that Metabi can move in, hold a laser cannon up to Snowbro's head, and get him to surrender. He even pops a little white flag out of the top of his head, which is very comical. Uh, this was a really good fight to watch. It was lots of good animation this time around. I really liked seeing it to see people scramble over ice and snow and stuff i'm a big fan of the snowman's design uh i i I do like the japanese uh two ball snowman uh better than the uh western three ball snowman i i think it looks cuter um oh you don't like three balls i like two balls i just like two. Uh, but listen more the more balls the merrier in my opinion to only want two balls that sounds i don't know i feel like he should want three balls Maybe uh, even four balls. Two balls is a little bit more of an intimate situation. <laughs> um, anyway, moving on from balls. Uh, I, I, I like the big ball. Uh, with It's got tracks. Um, he's got like wiry, uh, thin, uh, just rod arms with big comical red hands. Like He's got a fun, expressive face. Like This is a good design. They could have just, uh, you know, a light blue robot in a parka or something, you know? A, like, this is a a good snowman design big fan um i also love uh how many how many times is it now uh metabee just points a gun two inches away from someone's head just to get him to do what not, he wants not enough times it's like every <laughs> third episode that's what he does and he says "Snowbro, you're a no-go that's pretty good <laughs> um the the fight is a little bit more entertaining and the the dub will give you that uh, because of the Canuckisms, like you, we don't we don't get that in the sub. It's it's Blade Straight. He talks. I don't know uh, the accents using the Japanese um, language um, that well. Is he but, even still from Japan or from Canada in the in the sub? They don't say it. Okay, uh, I just, guess the implication is he he's from Hokkaido or something. <laughs> I you know 
your guess is as good as mine. Uh, he just has a snowman, and he likes eating uh, shaved ice. <laughs> That's it. Um, yeah. But it's a good fight. Um, we cut to see... Uh, uh, they leave. We see. We cut to see Coach Man Mountain is walking the screws up a, the side of a snow bank, I guess, to exercise. And that's the whole episode. Uh, the, the we also we get, is get, we get a, a nice little sunset. thing between... Yeah, um, we do get a stinger. Uh, we get a, yeah, we get, we get a sunset moment between uh, 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 Tom and the gang of just remarking on, on the fight and whatever. And then cut to Coach Man Mountain, who is making the screws do laps up and down the snow mountain now that the blizzard has finally ceased uh, because they ate all of his snacks. I mean, you gotta punish him. But the, they weren't his snacks, according to the sub. The, the dub, they're explicitly his snacks. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. Um, I'm so glad we got it. Coach Main Mountain episodes are so great. He's such a good guy. Um, really cares about the kids. It, it is so weird how muscle-obsessed he was in the dub this time around. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to blame the cold weather affecting him. Yeah, really robbing him of oxygen and what have you. Yeah, yeah, couldn't, yeah. couldn't get his full appreciation for for the mind muscle as it was. But we got uh, these are two great episodes. Um, yeah, like just the we are antics. Missing yeah, one thing. Oh, just the, the episode does really close with Mister Referee as a voiceover asking if the screws will ever get to go home, but more importantly, asking if he will ever get to skate the Nutcracker Suite. Yeah, he's got dreams outside of Metabots. Which is and nice it's to always see. theater. Yeah. It's, you know, it's it's good to have an appreciation for the arts, is what I will say. <laughs> uh, I, I am so excited of- to see where these, uh, the season goes. Like, yeah. it, I am so glad we have these, um, you know, fight of the week kind of, uh, yeah, not filler, obviously. Um, but, because uh, no, no anime liker likes, likes filler. Like, that's just a thing. No one likes filler. Um, right, Colin? Yeah, who? Uh, no, the, uh, you know, um, if you want to find more about how great filler is, you should watch the, uh, you should listen to the podcast I occasionally guest on, uh, Never Believe It, uh, on our Toad Watch podcast, where we explain why filler is good, because sometimes it is. For example, the next several episodes of Metabots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, uh, this entire season being filler, followed by a tournament arc. It's it's working for me. I'm not going to complain. Yeah, yeah. The the really the two best things about anime are filler and tournament arcs. If we get down to it. Uh, <laughs> oh man. Ugh. And OAV movies. If only we would ever get a Metabots OAV God. movie, I would fucking I'd be living right now. Um, if I had the money, I'd fund it. Klaus, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, where 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 can people find you on the internet? What are you doing out there? What, what 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 other content you got out there? <laughs> uh, if anyone absolutely feels like they need to find me, you can find me doing absolutely nothing. If something really stupid on Twitter at Klaus is weird. Hell yeah! And uh, Mitch, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, they can find me at Big Bad Beetle Boy on Twitter. Um, you can find me at Pagetish, P-A-D-G-E-T-T-I-S-H. Um, also, I've had, I've guested, uh, recently several times on Never Believe It, um, uh, which is currently, uh, you can find them both, uh, searching on Twitter or just Googling NarutoHead.band. 
Um, or I guess it's Naruto head dash band at twitter.com is the, the Twitter address. Never believe a podcast. It's great. Uh, fucking Naruto D watch podcast where we only watch the filler. It's fantastic. Uh, we recently transitioned from being in a cult to now we're going to start a business. Uh, and that business is letting you know about Naruto Shippuden. Uh, so I, I highly recommend giving that a shot. It's, uh, a, a thing I've gotten to collaborate on and it's been very fun. Um, but yeah, other than that, you can find MetaWatch, uh, the one and only Mecha uh, podcast we are doing right now uh, at MetaWatch or at MetaWatch, where you can find lots of gifts from Mitch. So yeah, please check those out. Uh, please, uh, I guess, give us reviews. Is that a thing we're supposed to ask for as a podcast? I guess so. Um, I don't... Klaus, how do you feel about a party where a robot assaults you and stops you from eating a five-star cuisine? <laughs> I have never been to a party where a robot did not assault me, and it's always a good time. Oh, I well, I, I guess the only rating we have is uh, the one that we always have at the end of the episode. Metabolism!